Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Amen. Good morning, church. It's good to see you in person. Oh, man. Let me tell you, as worship was going and I was trying to get my stuff together to come in here, and then I stand here and we're just, man, I tell you what, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, it is so much more than I could ever imagine saying to you from the front. As much as I, I pray and I call out to the Lord and I prepare and I think about, okay, what, what is it that our church needs in this next year? And as we are preparing and, and, and thinking ahead, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just comes and begins to minister. And then it's like, well, what does it matter anyway, right? Because the Lord is working in our hearts and, and he is present. Wow. Wow. I, I'm already blessed. And um, I just want to greet you. Welcome, if this is the first time joining us, just in the name of the Lord, we welcome you, and we're so glad that you are with us. If you're joining us online, like uh, many of you messaged me this week, God bless you. You are welcome. You are one of us right now as well, so we welcome you here today. You know, um, this next week, not that today is going to be great, but next week I'm super stoked. Uh, we have, number one, we're inviting somebody onto the staff, and it's going to be an incredible Sunday, and you're going to want to be here. You're not going to want to miss it. And also, we are celebrating with a family that has been going through an adoption journey, and they are getting, they're so close, they're so close. And you're going to get to see a little bit with a video that we made, and we're going to be able to participate with them, and we're going to be able to see a young one come into this church. I don't know if you know this, we have an adoption culture in this church. There was a point when our youth group was 50%, or actually was more than that, of just adopted kids. It's fantastic. It's the very heart of God. Very heart of God. You know that you, when you accepted Christ, you were called his daughter. You were called his son. And it is one of the most, it is the best thing that we can do to replicate the gospel of Jesus Christ is when we call somebody that's not ours our own. And it's so great as a church as we get to celebrate with families and bring them in as one of us. I, there should be an amen with that, people. Come on. Come on. Man, I'm excited. So for, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about something called being seen. Being seen. Now, I, I did not come up with this when I was in quarantine because I was not being seen, okay? This, this was before that. But... Uh, before Labor Day, I had, just like Jana, we try and break off a little bit, and she did an alpaca farm. That's what she did for her, her Airbnb. I thought I could do it on my own, but I realize now that I need her desperately to do it for me in the future. I end up in this dingy 400-square-foot apartment downtown St. Paul. My only view was some bricks from another window right outside of me. It was dangerous. Everything shut down. The coffee shops were shut down. I didn't even have a stove. I had no internet. I just had a whole bunch of books out. And I'm like, all right, Lord, well, apparently we need some more intimate time together. And so I just pray that you move and, and do something wonderful. But in that time, I was so excited. And then we had Dr. Alan Tennyson on Labor Day. He shared such a good word. If you have not been able to see it, um, you go back. Go back and see that. And then last week, 
um, one of our very own, Steve Waters, shared a word. And Jane and I are at home, and we were upset that we couldn't be here, but we were celebrating the team and what God was, was doing here. And we were celebrating what Steve preached because I was like, Lord, that is the exact word that you have for us right now. I love how the Lord moves. And lastly, before we, we jump into this, could you put up that graphic of Love Maple Grove? For the past three years, um, I have been meeting with pastors, local pastors in the area, and, you know, we, we pray with each other, we talk about needs in the church, we are, we are unified, we celebrate each other. Isn't it great having unity in a time of disunity? That we, we are celebrating each other and what God is doing and lifting each other up when there are problems. Well, in the la- before COVID hit, we were planning and working on unifying as churches and coming together with a love maple grove. How do we serve our community? And, you know, we're still going forward with it, even though we have to make some adjustments. For those of you who live outside of Maple Grove, we have some yard signs that are going to just be called Love Your City. But we are going to be having some opportunities in October, and so pay attention. It is awesome that we get to come together as churches. So the people in this community say there is one God. And I don't know if you know this, but when, when the disciples ran to Jesus and said, we stopped some people that were preaching in your name. We should be the ones preaching your name. And Jesus said, they're either for us or against us, and you should not stop them from preaching your name. I don't know if you understand this, but each community needs healthy churches. Okay? We need healthy churches as much as possible. And any time there is something that happens in our churches, it should grieve our spirits. And so that's why we are celebrating together. And I really hope that you have an opportunity to participate and join with us in October with some things in our community. It's going to be great. Now, the, ver- the verse that really started kind of the core and the thesis of where we are going with being seen is in 1 Corinthians 16, 7. It's the end of, of Paul's letter. Paul, the least of the apostles, he calls himself. And, and he looks and he, and he says to them in this letter, he says, For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. Now, if you've gone to church for any length of period in your life, you kind of know the, what it happens. You start kind of going, and people just kind of give you the smile and the nod, and then every, you're supposed to act like everything's okay, and then you get into the car, and the kids start yelling, and then you're fighting with your spouse or whatever, and then it's like, oh, here's life. And you, you kind of feel like you have to just play this part to get through church. And I love what, what Paul is saying here. I don't want to just pass by you. And, and I get it, Sunday mornings, we're sometimes in a rush, we're in and out, that, that's going to happen. But Paul is talking about something so much more in depth. He's talking about not just passing by, not just saying, hey, good to see you, but saying, there is so much more that I want to do. In 1 Thessalonians 3.10, he says, as, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and that we may supply what is lacking in your faith. In other words, to encourage you to continue in the faith. Being seen is understanding that just as Christ first loved us and we love others, is just as God has seen us, because he has seen us, we see others. And that we are 
to walk through and we were able to go to church and we were able to look at people and we were able, able to just start investing and understanding that it's more than just passing by people. It's investing. It's I want to see you face to face. I want to encourage you in where your faith is lacking. I want to be with you. As a church, we get to do this. I was speaking with somebody who had moved here from a, a job in California and and, you know, we kind of talked about the, laughed about the Minnesota nice thing. He said, I, I, he goes, I think I discovered why it's so difficult to get into the Minnesota cultures. He said that in Minnesota, people have very rooted families. And they already have friend groups. And there's so many people that have stayed here in the community. Whereas you go to different places in California, everybody's transplants. Or in other places in the country. And he said, that's here, but there's so many people rooted in family that they already have their people. And so what we're going to be talking about in the next couple days is I'm going to be encouraging you to put that, push that door open just a little more. Okay? Just, just a little bit more. And I, I don't know about you, but I was really happy when it, when it comes to serving Christ that there was room for one more. All right? Can you say one more? One more. There is room for one more. That needs to be our attitude. That needs to be our heart. Heavenly Father, we ask for you to come into this place as we already know that you are. Lord, I pray that you move in this place. I pray that, that you move on our hearts and in our minds and that none of us, there is not one person that is able, able to leave the same. In your holy name we pray, as the church said. I was a young man, young married man. We lived in Hutchinson, Minnesota. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we couldn't afford anything here, so we were commuting and, and uh, moved into a 937-square-foot home. And I remember that only because my house was 937 Carolina Parkway. And so it was 937 square feet, tiny. At that time, we were taking in foster kids. We were producing kids. It was just a mess. And I was, I was working a lot, and I was traveling and we're just trying to make it, you know? We're just trying to survive, and we're not really, but we're doing our best, right? And I remember one time, Jaina came to me, and she said, I want to be seen. And I was like, I see you, baby. You're looking cute. She's like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm like, oh, you know? And she, I was like, the kids see you? It's like, that's not what I'm talking about. I want the world to know that I exist right now. I have been in this home. I've been to CashWise, and that's about it. And I just want the world to know that I'm more than what I'm doing right at this moment. And it took me a while, and it was actually, I mean, it just, why would I understand that? And I was like, wow. And so we went out. She was able to be seen by people. She was able to have adult conversations. Any moms in here just saying, oh, Lord, just an adult conversation. Somebody, please. But that has stuck with me for all these years. As my wife said to me, I just want to be seen. Because I think of that so often, that this is where so many of us are. That not just seeing you, but seeing you. You ever had that conversation with that person that you can tell you are the least important person in the room because they are looking right past you? 
They're not seeing you. They're seeing right past you. They're seeing where that conversation can go. I remember talking with somebody one time. He was a high up, and I won't say where because you probably know who it is. And I was talking, and the wife came, and she whispered in his ear trying to figure out if we were somebody that mattered. And then she just kind of gave us a little nod and hightailed it out of there because we didn't matter. Sometimes we just want to be seen. Now, I can't say that I, I fully under, could understand what my wife was going through at that moment, but I do know what it feels like to be passed by. I do know what it feels like not making the team. I do know what it feels like when I'm having a conversation and somebody is already past me and trying to get by. I do, I do know what it feels like speaking and knowing I'm not being heard. As important as it is to be truly seen by people, it is much more profound to know that we are seen and known by God, and that's what we're going to talk about today. In fact, one of the most profound experiences that I ever had with God is not what he said to me. It was the feeling afterwards that the God of this universe, the God whose spirit hovered over the water as he created, as he spoke life into existence, that same God that's here right now, that same God who, who directs our hearts, this same God answered the prayer of a young man so specifically, the only response that I had was to weep. Part of my story or journey as a Christian, maybe even more so as a pastor, happened when Jane and I had first gotten married. I, my family was going to family camp up in Cavalier, North Dakota, or in Devil's Lake, North Dakota. And I just wanted to share a little bit of my upbringing with my wife. And I just said, when, when I had gone here, the Lord spoke to me so clearly. And I just, I just want to share this with you. Have you ever wanted to share something really intimate with somebody? And that was my situation. And so <clears throat> we drove across the barren and most boring land known to man, which is North Dakota. <laughs> Could you uh, put that picture of my little Liam at the time? <clears throat> this was about the size of my little Liam DeMel. What a handsome young man. He brought joy to everybody when he came into a room. He was fantastic. He was at this moment that I'm telling you, he was in our 1998 uh, Chevy Prism, sleeping in the back. And then you want to do the next one for me, Ben? This is what my wife and I looked like at the time. We looked like a bunch of hippies. The church I was attending, the pastor actually said to me, he goes, I can't stand it when you're in the service. He goes, I keep thinking I'm preaching to Jesus and it's terrible. <laughs> So here we are, we're, we're coming close to Devil's Lake, and for those of you that know anything about Devil's Lake, it's now um, a, a fishing uh, draw from all around the world, but at this time, it was a smelly swamp, and it was Devil's Lake. It <clears throat> reeked, it was terrible, there was very little life in it, you didn't want to go there. Anyway, I'm just, just a couple miles from the camp, and Jane is sleeping next to me, and Asher is in the back, and 
all the smells and the sights, and there's this one back road when you're coming through where the trees are just kind of hanging over and you're going underneath the, the shade, and, and this, the sun is just trickling through the, the branches, and it was just this moment where I had with the Lord. And I prayed this outrageous prayer, and I said, Lord, years ago at this camp, I believe you called me into ministry. And I said, Lord, am I out of that because of the sins of my youth? Lord, is that calling still there? If not, I understand. And then I said something that was a little outrageous for me at the time anyway. I said, Lord, if you still have your eyes on me and you haven't taken that away, I pray that you call me out of a crowd Understand, I just shared this story for the first time a couple years ago. This has been a very intimate part of my story with Christ. And we start pulling in. I wake up Jaina. I wake up Liam. I didn't tell anybody about this. That afternoon, my whole family's there, and I've got a pretty large family in North Dakota. And, you know, it's just if you've been there before, it's cement floors. Well, not anymore. They redid it. And it was just this old you know, rickety wooden bench that you're probably going to get slivers on. And we're all like, wait, we're pretty far back and we're all in one row. And we're just there and we're holding on to Liam and worship starts and some unknown pastor gets up and he starts to preach and we're there and, and all of a sudden he stops in the middle of his sermon. He points at me and he starts talking. At this point, I don't know one thing that he said. Then he tells me to stand up and come up. I did. I'm weeping. This young man weeping sends me back, continues in his message. And then he calls me back up. This starts going on. I can't move. I'm, I'm done. I'm toast. Why? For as much as I know, he told me I was a carrot and a knucklehead. Honestly, I, have not, I don't know one word that he said to me to this day. None, nothing. But this is what I do know. I know that God saw me in a time of despair. I know that God saw me as this young man crying out, saying, Lord, I've made mistakes. Is there still a, a place for me? Is that calling still there or not? And then, we left, and I became a pastor. No, that's not what happened. Friends, if you ever have God answer a prayer like that, I'm mad at you. That's not how it happens. That's not how it happens. I baited you, I'm sorry. But come on. Ten years of working, ten years of, of going, eventually being able to go back to school, ten years of serving in the church and, and doing what we can and just trying to be obedient to what God had for us. And we did not see it. We did not see it. Could you um, go to Genesis chapter 16 for me, please? Now Sarai and Abraham's wife had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. 
Here's another situation. God gave Abram, soon to be Abraham, a word that he was going to be the father of many nations, that there's be all these things coming from him. But they couldn't wait. And so they just looked at their carnal mind and they said, okay, we've got to do something practical right now in our own strength. Verse 3. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. Well, of course he did. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai took or his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abraham, or Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms. And now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she said. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man and his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility towards all of his brothers. Now listen to this. Verse 13. She gave his name to the Lord, gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. This is one of the few places where God isn't naming himself, but somebody is naming God, the God who sees, the God who sees me. There is no more important person that can see you than God. She gave this name to him, and you know what? For the rest of her life, she knew that God saw her. No matter what happened, no matter how Sarai treated her, she knew that she existed to God. This is one of the few places that we can look at from somebody who is on the outside who names God and it is brought into our scripture as the one who sees. God is not taken back by your predicament and he has not written you off. Any voice that tells you contrary is a liar. John 8.44 says that when Satan lies, he speaks his native language. He's a liar and the father of lies. On the contrary, God cannot lie and will only speak truth. You matter. You are loved. You are known. You are seen by God. Our response to being seen by God is to see and to love others. That should be our natural response. God sees me, therefore I see others. God sees me, therefore I see others. The prophet Jeremiah said in the beginning of his book, he says, before I God says to him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you my prophet to the nations. 
The God that knew and set apart Jeremiah, appointed Jeremiah, is the same God that knows you and knew you before you were even born. Maybe you're thinking, well, Jeremiah is different. He was a major prophet of God. Of course God saw him. Of course, yeah, I get it. When you look at religions throughout the world, almost all of them have some form of caste system. This means that you will stay in the class where you were raised. If you were born poor, you will stay poor. Maybe you're thinking, well, that's a government system, not a religious system. Well, actually, you're wrong. It, it is a religious system. When, it, when I was hired on as a volunteer chaplain in the Southwest Metro, it was easy to get Christian pastors to, to volunteer and to be chaplains and to go along with the police to the calls. It was easy. I remember sitting with a sergeant, and he said, we can't get people from other religions to help us. And I'm like, well, why is that? Well, apparently they think that if something bad is happening to them, it's because God is punishing them. And their response has been, well, why should I help you? Why should I help them if God's punishing them? Their God apparently doesn't see them, but have rejected them into a caste system, not only physically, but spiritually as well. Right now, I want you to know that you are seen. And, and in order for you to love people properly, in order for you to actually see people for more than just in passing, you first have to understand that you are loved and seen by God. If you can't get that in you, you're only going to have superficial, unauthentic relationships with people. But when you understand that the God of this universe loves you and cares about you and called you while you were still in the womb and before, that understanding begins to shift. And you begin to see people the way that God sees them. The scriptures made it abundantly clear from the beginning of Genesis where, where God spent time with intimate relationship with his people to, the, to Revelation where he brings his people to intimate relationship back home into heaven with him. Jesus' ministry was filled with seeing people who had been overlooked and unseen by the leaders of that day acting as though it was a caste system. If they were poor, if they were beggars, it was because God was somehow punishing them. Jesus comes onto the scene. Jesus calls the most uneducated disciples that had no right to be his disciples, and he calls them and he trains them. Jesus saw the overlooked, the blind, the crippled, the poor, and he went to them. Jesus saw the undeserved. He saw the woman who was being stoned and caught in the act of adultery. And he looked and he saw her and he said, now go and sin no more. Jesus saw the criminal next to him on the cross. And he said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say you are getting what you deserve. Have you ever felt unseen? Have you ever felt invisible? Have you ever felt unimportant, unloved? I certainly have. It is a challenge when we walk through the hallways of life and the streets of loneliness with no or little acknowledgement. We are living through a time in history where people are feeling more isolated than ever. Many of you are feeling that as well. 
there's less hope than ever because our society has been force-fed a lie that God does not exist. That all things were created by one giant cosmic error or chance, followed by many millions of exactly right conditions to create life. You, along with our young people of this day, are being taught that in this life is nothing more than a fluke, and it doesn't matter if you live or die. If this is what you believe, what is your motivation for anything? And for those of you that like to think logically, Darwin, who talked about the survival of the fittest, shouldn't you celebrate when a more powerful conquers somebody? Just if you're thinking here, that should be the way of life. Our society should be celebrating the strength of mankind as they take over lands and crush people. That should be celebrated if we're following Darwin's logic. So here's the deal. The end result of godless and atheistic society will not become more empathetic for humanity. It can only become more selfish and more protective of our personal survival. Julian, who was the last pagan um, ruler, emperor in Rome, it was during the 4th century and there became this plague and it killed 26% of the people in the known world. People began to run away. They, they left in a hurry. And I, I think I have the quote up there. Emperor, Emperor Julia, the last pagan ruler, this is what he said. When I think that the poor and the sick were neglected and rejected by our own pagan priests, I think of the fact that the ungodly Galileans, the Christians, observed this and dedicated themselves to to philanthropy. They cared not only for their own poor, but for ours. Not only to their sick, but to ours. This is the difference. This is how we as Christians are supposed to act and supposed to be the follower, the disciples of Christ. These people looked outside themselves and they saw the people that were left dying. Jesus is our example. What people do not understand is that right now, we live in a time where the atheistic, godless mindset is built upon the foundations of Judeo-Christian beliefs. Our country has been blessed because of the way that we have lifted up and had the foundation built on God. But the further that we get from God, the further that we get away from taking care of the poor, the destitute, the hurting, and those whom God loves. We will become more selfish. We will become more, building ourselves up more to be the strong ones to be able to rule and to take over. Currently, our society is trying to combine godlessness with the fruit of God's Spirit. That's what's happening right now. The goodness and the acts of kindness and taking care of people, that is only built out of Judeo-Christian principles. Here's the good news. And there is good news because that's what I'm preaching today. God tells us that we are not a chance God tells us that we have purposes. God actually says that he knows your name and he knows the amount of hair that is on your head. Some, that's easier than others. But this is why the message of the cross is good news. This is why we have hope that we are the light in darkness. 
Even though Abram sinned, God's plan and purposes remained in place. Just as God saw Hagar in her distress, God sees you today. Just as God saw the woman caught in adultery and forgave her, he sees you and he forgives you. Just as God saw, Jesus saw the beggar crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He sees you as you cry out and say, Jesus, have mercy on me. Just as God saw the woman at the well, a woman who was culturally a cancer to the Jewish society, Jesus sat down and he saw her. Just as God saw a little man crawl up in a tree, a man who had stolen from the people of Israel, salvation came to his home. Jesus knew Zacchaeus by name, called him, went to his home. And in the same way, Jesus calls you by name. He calls you with purpose. He comes to your home. But first, you have to humble yourself and call out to God. Would you please stand? Do you realize that you have been seen by God? I'm not, I'm not asking you as I just pass by you and just, you know, hey, good to see you. Have you seen God and understand that God sees you right now? Heavenly Father, We just call out to you right now. Lord, I ask that you begin to speak to people in this place. Lord, I pray right now that those that feel like they have been passed by, those that feel like they are unloved, Lord, those that feel that they have not been seen, Lord, I pray that right now, by your spirit, that you come in a powerful way and begin to manifest yourself in their life. I pray, Lord, that they cannot even move because of the presence of your spirit and them understanding that your eyes are upon them. Thank you, Jesus. As a church, you've heard me say this many times, that I believe we're the kind of church in Minnesota. And I say that because of what Paul says in Romans is that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And so in the same way, we need to be a church that is the kindest church in Minnesota because just as God's kindness leads us to repentance, we need to be the type of people that people recognize when they see us, they see Jesus. If anything's going to stand between God and a person, it better not be us, church. So I'm calling you to hire. And right now I'm saying to you, are you do you understand that you have been seen by God? Because if you realize that you've been seen by God, the way you treat people is going to be different. It's going to be better. You're going to see them. This is another reason why we've been pushing life groups is because we understand on a Sunday morning, you know what, we pass by each other, right? In life groups, there's the chance of more depth. There's a chance to be able to have these prayer requests. Many times I get prayer requests and, and as a staff on Tuesdays, we're praying and we're lifting people up before the Lord. And then we go, oh, the life group already, they already know all about this. And we're like, well, praise the Lord. This is exactly what the church is supposed to do. 
our worship team is going to lead us in a song, and I'm going to come and, and uh, direct us after that. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.